As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this is the Game Podcast, the podcast that told you Manchester City would win the title, the podcast that told you Wigan would always scrape out of trouble, and the podcast that predicted a bright future for Big Eck McLeish. Well, two out of three ain't bad. This week, we have a stellar lineup of guests for you, featuring international man of mystery and CNN World Sport host Pedro Pinto, who's wearing a black shirt, Tony Evans, fresh from a trip to Wembley to watch his beloved Chelsea, and of course... From beautiful downtown Rippenden, it's Oliver K. Later on, we're going to be discussing the incredible goal machine called Messi. But first, let's kick on with the football and the oldest cup competition in the world. Something we call the FA Cup Final. Ollie, I want to start with you um, with the FA Cup Final. I, it looked to me like it was a pretty cagey first hour. And if I caught a, a little bit on, on TV of, of crazy Claudio Ranieri, who, who said uh, um, he expected an Italian final in the, in the first half hour. Nice to see Claudio doing nothing to dispel all those lazy old stereotypes. But um, it sort of was, right? Yeah, it, it, was, it was, as you say, cagey. I thought Liverpool were particularly cautious in the way they started. And Chelsea hadn't got that early goal. I thought, I thought they were just had Liverpool where they wanted, wanted them and, and was, were content to soak up what little pressure there was and, and to counter-attack. I thought, I thought Chelsea were very, very comfortable until uh, until Liverpool, in desperation, 2-0 down, sent on Andy Carroll. Well, Tony, that was... We talked a little bit in the car. Andy Carroll, that kind of changed things, hindsight being twenty twenty. Would well, you have started him? Well, I don't think it's hindsight. I mean, I think uh, there were a few of us who were, who were quite surprised at the team selection. I think Doug Leach got it wrong, wrong completely wrong. Um, certainly, uh, Bellamy and Suarez never troubled um, never troubled Chelsea. Uh, Bellamy was too deep for much of the first half. And then, you know, the difference it made when Liverpool had an outlet ball to Carroll. And the thing is, Carroll has been getting to the pace of the game at Liverpool over the past six weeks, two months, and he's integrated himself into the passing game more and more and you know it, if ever there was a day to play him a £35 million player I know that price tag's going to be the millstone round his neck but if ever there was a day to do it it was Saturday and certainly come on he transformed the game and you know if who, he would you have dro- who would you have dropped to make way for I wouldn't have played Bellamy in a game like that well, and shuttled Henderson wide well, yeah, you know, it's. Um, but I mean, there, there were a number of options you could have done. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, Spear and look completely out of his depth. You know, um, yeah, but you need a holding midfielder, right? Well, you do, but I mean, it doesn't look as if he's the right one. I mean, you've got to change the shape around. The bottom line is, can you get the tactics of the team wrong? Are you gonna? Are you known for a bit of Kenny bashing, Pedro? Uh, are you going to be as harsh on Kenny as Tony was? 
You can't expect uh, an open, creative game in midfield when you don't have those kind of players um, on both sides. And when it comes to Liverpool, we've been saying it all season, a lot of those guys there in the centre of the park where you're supposed to make a difference just don't have the quality to do so. Whether it's it's a spearing who will run and who will fight, but who really doesn't offer that much when he has the ball. Whether there's a Henderson when you keep on expecting him to do something different and he doesn't. Whether it's Gerrard, who I still think is completely out of form. You can't expect these guys to perform miracles if they don't have the quality to do so, with the exception of Gerrard, of course. But right now, he's not the same player he was. Oli, um, Pedro, there's a bit of a damning assessment of the lack of creativity in the midfield of Liverpool, but also of, of Chelsea. Um, do you subscribe to that? Uh, I, I certainly subscribe to it with, with Liverpool. I mean, I, I was sort of pondering what, what the Liverpool team would be beforehand. And, you know, normally with cup finals, you're thinking, God, who who would you leave out? Who would you leave out? And, and I think with Liverpool, it was a struggle to get to eight or nine, take, eight or nine players that you'd want on the team sheet. I think Chelsea went through a similar spell, but, uh, you know, a few months ago, but a lot of their players, people like Mikel and Kalou have gone from being spare parts to, to, to performing important roles within a squad. Lampard is playing far better than he was. And with those players playing well, it gives matter uh, a platform to, to play. I'm, I'm not saying that Chelsea was scintillating by any means. And, and I thought for the, for the final half hour, they, they, they looked dead on the feet almost. But, they, uh, but uh, they, they had better quality through their squad. It's, uh, that, that's pretty clear. Um, before we get back to Chelsea, I just want to take a little aside to, to Peter Cech, who I think has been very good the second half of the season. After, you know, we, we, the funny thing is, we tend to anoint people like, you know, Ashley Cole is the best left back in the world. I've been hearing it since Euro 2004, and there's been times when he has been, times when he hasn't been. Uh, and Peter Cech as well, like, you know, in this country crowned him the best goalkeeper in the world. But I think it's pretty obvious that for probably the best part of the last three years, he hasn't been anywhere near as good as he was before. Uh, um, well, your mate Stephen Hunt kicked him in the head. But uh, I want to ask you that, that check save. Television replay suggests that probably it didn't cross the, the, the line from the Carroll header. Um, the, Steve Nichol, I was on the show with him the other day, and he said, no, it definitely did cross the line. It's obvious to anybody who can see. I, I, mean, I think it's, he might be slightly biased in this one, but it, the point is it's inconclusive. This is just the whole goal line technology argument all over again because that could well have been given and and the fact that it wasn't given I mean he suggested I think he might, might be some validity there the the officials had no idea if that ball crossed the line or not and because they weren't sure they didn't give it is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, my my initial instinct being there was it's a great save. Um, I don't think I've seen a. Wait, so your initial instinct was different from Kenny's. Well, yeah, you know. Well, but then again, did you see his reaction? He didn't look. Uh, he didn't look as if he was celebrating with absolute conviction. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I think they got it right, and I think um, I think it's one of those situations where there's been no conclusive pictures to show, and uh, you know, goal line technology. Well, I suppose it might you know it might solve situations like that. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if there is a viable alternative that you know would um, make definitive decisions in situations situations like that but the one thing I always keep saying is we, we know I mean you know and Pedro knows from American football we've seen the instant replay and they've, they've come down to milliseconds and freeze frame and uh, you know sort of uh, incidents and you lose the spirit of the game plus they still get it wrong it's amazing they still make the wrong decisions at times well, yeah, of course, goal line technology though 
I mean, to be fair, it would be different from from replays. I mean, you, you there are other ways to do it without replays that yeah, you know and chips and sensors and all exactly. that jazz. But when I ask you, can you, you, you have to prove that technology works, that that source of technology, and we haven't seen it in action yet, have we? No, but uh, our friends at FIFA are testing them, and we all trust them to do a, a good job to get inclusive uh, they've answers. They've done so well so far. I, anybody have any theory as to why Peter Cech is playing a lot better now? Defenders in front are playing a lot better. I, th- I think the security, you know, it, it goes from the goalkeeper to the defenders and, and back again. I, I think Chelsea are defending it a lot better. Yeah, Ollie, do you really buy that though? Because I mean, I'm a yeah. devil's advocate. You know, I'm going to go against my nature here for a second. Um, but the year they were, Chelsea won the double, the defenders were playing pretty well. I thought, and uh, Peter Cech wasn't. Um, you know, and, and that save. Surely a save like that, which he wasn't making until recently, that doesn't have much to do with the defenders, does it? Well, no. But, but, I, I mean, it's not really a case of making it a save that, that, that everybody can say, oh, he's playing well now because he made a brilliant save. I'm sure he makes that kind of save often in training. He, he, he is a very good goalkeeper. I, I've, I've found it a little bit strange at times where things are filtered out of Chelsea about them maybe looking for a new goalkeeper and that maybe Courtois, who's on loan to Atletico, um, maybe he was being groomed to, to, to replace Czech sooner rather than later. I, I find that rather strange because although we can say Czech isn't, hasn't been quite at the form that made him one of the top few keepers in the world um, over the last few seasons, I think he's still been among the top 10 goalkeepers in the world. I, I think any, anybody trying to replace a goalkeeper like Petr Cech, even when he's not been at his absolute best, would um, yeah, it, it would be a struggle to upgrade on him. Pedro, you're, you're you're very close to to Roman Abramovich. You often spend time on his yacht. Give us some insight. What, what sort of uh, uh, thought process? Um, I mean, what will he be considering uh, in terms of whether he keeps Robbie D as his manager or goes and gets another one? It's so unfair if if Di Matteo goes, isn't it? I think we can all say that from a human point of view. Uh, unfortunately, football and especially Mr. Abramovich aren't known to be particularly human. Um, Bit harsh. I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think he'll stay because, um, honestly. Roman wants a high-profile manager, and he'll go out and try to get one. I think that's a mistake. Di Matteo has got the best out of the players from an emotional point of view as well, which is, I think he's the first manager to do that from the core since Mourinho, even though Hiddink uh, played that card as well. And that's why all these managers have been able to get so much out of this team, because it's a very emotional team. And I would put Petr Cech in that core group of players that need to feel loved in order to perform. And that's what we've seen with Chelsea at the end of this season, is just self-confidence has gone up the the, the belief in each other ha- have gone up and that's something with which uh, Andre Villas-Boas had destroyed earlier in the year Tony, in terms of this big name manager concept that, that we often hear about that, that Mr. Abramovich um, often gets accused of would it be is Pedro Manby being a bit harsh there because I weigh up how big a name Villas Boas was, and obviously he was he was flavor of the month last year, but he'd won a Europa League, a Portuguese title, and a Portuguese Cup. Di Matteo has won a promotion. He's won an FA Cup. He may win a Champions League. He's 90 minutes away from doing it. Um, plus, he was a club legend who's won a bunch of FA Cups as well. Um, in terms of, if we're talking name recognition, I mean, two years ago, I don't think anybody knew who Villas-Boas was. 
Yeah, but Roman also went on the instinct that Village Bush had worked with Mourinho for four, five, six years. So if he couldn't get the special one back, maybe he could get someone who was close enough to that. Is, is, that, you really, is that really how the guy's mind worked? Like, this guy worked with Mourinho, so he must be like Mourinho? But I think he was very successful as well, Gab. He won everything there was to win. No, I know, but he, he, won, he won everything in, in one season. But I'm, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting, you know, I, I'm saying is I just... In terms of big name, if if, if Timoteo wins the Champions League, I mean, what more can he do? He was more, you know. Well, I think I, th- I think I think a closer sort of um, insight into Chelsea's mindset is to remember this time last year, there, there didn't seem to be any sense of purpose, any sense of uh, targeting um, a manager um, to to move on with. Then all of a sudden it became Hiddink, you know, Hiddink back. You know, we we won Hiddink, and at the last moment they all fell apart, and Villas Boas came back into the frame. So I don't think Villas Boas was the first choice, and I think it's. Um, in many ways, there is no long-term strategy there. The, the, and anyway, there's no one out there who would fulfil that big-name superstar manager who's available at the moment. Um, so I think we might see another summer of confusion uh, over at Chelsea. And um, and if Di Matteo ends up staying, it wouldn't surprise me if it's by default. Well, uh, Oli, why are you in on that? Because... Imagine that you are Mr. Big Name International Manager who's won everything. Um, if Chelsea take financial fair play seriously, and they assure us that they, they will, and they lost £67 million last year, the reality is even if you do sack Robbie D and bring in Mr. Big Name International Manager, where you want to call him Mourinho or Guardiola or whatever, for argument's sake, if he comes in, most people like that want a budget to spend. Most people like that want a multi-year contract. And that... That's at a time when Chelsea surely need to make more cuts, right? Yeah, precisely. I, I, I think if, if you're Guardiola or, or Mourinho, I mean, Mourinho obviously has different issues where, where Chelsea are concerned. I, I, I don't see the appeal at all uh, of, of working for Chelsea and working for Abramovich. Um, people say that Guardiola could be seduced by the idea of trying to build a Barcelona in uh, in, in, in West London. I, I, I think Abramovich has, has shown that there, there is not the culture at Chelsea to, to give a manager the freedom to do that. Uh, I, I think if, um, you know, if, if Mourinho is... Uh, well, I, I would say I, I can imagine Mourinho using Chelsea's interest uh, to get maybe some leverage out of Real Madrid. Well, he's uh, already then. I mean, reports suggesting, I, I think unconfirmed as, a, as of mm. this morning anyway, that um, he's done just that. Remember earlier in the mm. year, Mourinho pretending he's coming back to London. I have decided, his little spokespeople coming out. Let's go. Uh, f- exactly. And now, you know, a four-year deal, uh, reportedly, and what comes from one of his guys, um, through 2016, which kind of sums it up. Well, let, let's be honest. You're at Real Madrid. Mm, what do we do next? Where can I go that's moving up? It's Chelsea. <laughs> the reality is, I think we overblow Chelsea and we overblow Chelsea's global reputation. You know, they're not up there with the Barcelonas and the Real Madrids of this world. They're fairly, they're not even up there with the Manchester Uniteds. You know, they've got an erratic owner um, who sacks managers at the drop of a hat. The only conceivable reason for going to Chelsea, if you're Guardiola, is if Abramovich backs a security car up against a 
secure caravan up against your house, and as the people start shoveling dollars into you know into your front room, there's no other reason. All oh, this seduced by the idea of trying to build a Barcelona. <laughs> I've heard some crap in my time. No, no, I was dismissing that. I mean, I, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's you. <laughs> <laughs> there are people who say this. Well, just insanity. There may also be people who are um, who, who are enticed by the idea of perhaps one day playing it their football at Battersea Power Station, which of course is just across the river from where you live, Tony. Um, that that would be one hell of a stadium. You know, well, that would be an iconic stadium. Well, in fact, stadium is a great way to transition just to wrap this uh, FA Cup final se- uh, segment up um, to to Liverpool, who of course have a bit of a of a stadium issue. As those accounts reveal that they spent £35 million in building their new stadium, which hasn't actually begun yet. Um, I will take a step back and uh, ask you, Ollie, what do you make of all this? Is it a case of Liverpool's current owners saying, all right, let's put all the bad stuff out there in one go so that next year we can hopefully improve upon it? Um, And... Do Liverpool really need a new stadium to be profitable and compete with Manchester United? Well, or even Chelsea? They, they, they make something like £70 million less a year than Manchester United out of, out of match day revenue. Um, and that is, that is only going to increase as, as United's corporate facilities expand and Liverpool's stay where they are. I, I'm a bit more romantic about this. I, I, I hate the idea of Liverpool or Tottenham or anybody like that leaving, leaving the historic stadiums they've got, West Ham similarly, but realistically Liverpool can't go forward with Anfield as it exists now, I'd love to think there's a way of them uh, expanding Anfield but it just doesn't seem to exist so uh, it seems that they, that they need to resolve that and, and the chopping and changing and the sort of complete instability at the club over the past decade in terms of the board and, and the one thing or another means that they're at least 10 years behind schedule with this. It, it's, it's crazy, really. Tony, 10 years behind schedule. Can you catch up? Will well, you ever catch up? Well, it, it's going to be a long haul back. And I think this year has shown how far behind they've fallen. And I think perhaps um, one of the problems last year is when Dalglish took the job and come into it. I think he's the opposite of Roy Hodgson. He, he's just walking expectation. Everyone believed he could uh, get them back into the you know the top four. The reality is we're a long way off it. And there is no sign of the stadium coming. The owners need to understand that you cannot expand them. Field, it's impossible. The council won't have it. There are right to light issues, and legally, it just can't happen. It says the council won't have it, right? But sorry, just, uh, the council are elected officials, right? There's a lot of the. This is the part I never understand. There's a lot of Liverpool fans. This is not America. There are laws to protect people who live around stadiums. Don't politicians write the laws? The politicians do write the laws, and aren't the people who live close to close to Anfield? Correct me if I'm wrong. Not exactly the most a politically active and b wealthy. And but they're extremely politically active. There is a um, a movement around Anfield, which is is, is very vocal in the city, and, and not uh, wanting to expand out. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and pe- you know, people say to me glibly, "Oh, you know, there are all those old terraced houses." They go, "You know, oh, you know, who's want to live there?" Well, people do, you know, and you can't bulldoze. Houses and move up five hundred between five hundred and a thousand families just to suit the whims of a football club whose owners can't be bothered putting up their own money to build a new stadium. The council will not let Liverpool rebuild Anfield. 
from Dog Leash to the Premier League. Um, gentlemen, we have uh, a Premier League title race on our hands, and it's kind of exciting. And I guess when uh, City were eight points back, um, maybe not that many people expected it. This was the stage at which they were supposed to stumble away from home at St. James Park against the Newcastle United team that had, uh, had won away themselves at Stamford Bridge. This was where they were supposed to bottle it. Uh, Ollie, they didn't. No, they did the opposite of bottling it. I thought they they, they took their game to um, a very good Newcastle team right from the start. And um, when the game dragged on and it was still nil-nil, which was a little harsh on um, on City because they, they played very well, there was a sense perhaps uh, that, that, that they might start to get nervous, start to get twitchy and start to question themselves. But... Yeah. A number of their big players, uh, company Lescott, um, Barry, even Aguero, uh, and above all, Yaya Torre, just stepped forward and, and seized the moment. And that is the kind of thing that champions do. I mean, there, there's still scope for them to mess it up on the final day, but they did not look yesterday like a team that was going to uh, mess it up. Now, all season long, we talked about mental toughness and so on, and how these city players had never won anything except for, for, for Yaya Toure, and, uh, and I suppose Balotelli as well, although he doesn't play much of a part these days. Um, and, and, this, and so, therefore, we expected them to bottle. Um, Pedro, professional footballers tend to be successful people who've had a lot of success, obviously, in football. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting to that level and so on. Do you buy, and you're around a lot of athletes, not just footballers, do you buy this mentality that, like, if you've won something, then you're mentally stronger and can win again? Or does this sort of city experience kind of show that actually if you're a good professional and you have self-belief in yourself, then it doesn't really matter how much silverware you've already won? I, I think that, that winning is a, a mentality which breeds success. Uh, every player I've talked to, every manager I talk to says the same thing. I think what we have seen here with Manchester City is their squad is just so much better than every other squad that they would have to have really a complete uh, uh, mind freeze to not win the league. I think if anyone bottled it, it was United. And it was because they did not invest in proper central midfielders. They couldn't get an Emmanuel Vidic fit all season, and that's why they lost it. Right. Uh, yeah, I, Emmanuel Vidic is injured. What's he supposed to do? I mean, No, no, no. That, what know, I'm saying... Fergie's like Dr. McCoy no, no. or something. runs a tricorder. I'm, I'm blaming him for the midfield, right. which is not good enough for the top three in any major European league. And just before you interrupt me, I will just finally say that this team could have won the title on cruise control. I'm sorry. They are that good on paper where you don't need to be. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books. Contacts. Calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A fantastic manager to make these guys win. I, Tony, I'm interested in what he just said there because if that's the case, then it seems that you know any old Muppet could have won just about, not everybody, could have won the league with, with Manchester City. Um, and yet you wrote a column today talking about Mancini and some of his tantrums and whatnot. I mean, mm. do you subscribe to that? Is Mancini's achievement kind of null and void because, you know... It's not void. No, no, not, not void, but I mean, like, you could have had Mancini there or you could have had Steve Keane there. They would have still... Maybe not Steve Keane, but you know what I mean. They would have still won the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a... It, it's a and then, by the way, it's the same. We, I, I've seen in the past tense. They ha- let me just reemphasize. They have not won the league yet. No, They're no. level on points. You know, it's, um, they've, they've got one more game to win. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it'd be cheerless to decry Mancini's achievement. I've been critical of him over the past couple of years. Um, I don't think he's the greatest manager who's ever um, had a team talk. Um, and I think it's... I agree with Pedro. It's a fantastic squad, and you know you look at them and you think, why haven't they, um, why haven't they won the league by more? But I, I think I also have to say is I think this season is one of Ferguson's great achievements to keep the squad he's got so close. I mean, you know, this is this United is, fans find it very patronising when somebody um, with your accent says stuff you know like what? that. I don't care what United fans think. <laughs> I, I think Mancini has mismanaged every situation uh, that was presented to him this season. With Carlos Tevez, the way he dealt with that, with Mario Balotelli, with not resting David Silva, and with playing Nasri out of position for most of the season before finally getting it right. So, um, obviously, not any guy could walk in there and win the league. You'd have to have experience. But I'm sorry if I'm not giving him all the credit that uh, you could for this for this title. Or any credit, basically. I, I, I come in here, I try to be nice, but I have to agree with Pedro because, and he's just kicked me over the edge of not being nice because he's right. <laughs> Bye. Can, can I just ask, uh, throw a question out there? Because one thing I was, you know, thinking about in the, in the papers today, you know, Mancini's, you know, he's going to win the league, we think. And But there's, there's also this sort of air of, confrontation and chaos around him. Do you think he's the man to go on and build on a a title-winning team and to to put, say, you know, three or four title wins in five or six years? His record in the the Champions League is strangely poor, isn't it? You know, if you look at his record in Italy, he didn't really... um, he didn't really turn a, 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 a dominant and successful entity into a, into a team that was a, a major force in Europe. And 
you could look at things he got wrong in the Champions League this season with City. But um, I think the, the, the great problem, the, the, the great challenge for, for Mancini has been to try to turn them into champions. And once he does win that battle, if he does win that battle this season, then I think the um, the picture changes slightly, and, and, and he he will have the authority and uh, you know within the dressing room to to pretty much do as he pleases. City. City's dominance, I think, will depend on how other teams strengthen their squads and how much financial fair play comes into it because right now there's not one team that comes close to having the talent they have. And yes, a, a victory this year in the, in, in, the, in the title race will probably make them favorites to win again next year. The, the Champions League, which is obviously what the owners want as well, um, is something that I, I don't know whether he's good enough to win. Um, Amidst all this excitement uh, over over Mancini, of course, uh, Newcastle lost uh, lost the match, and and I wonder if with it a chance to to reach the Champions League uh, next season. I mean, Arsenal and Spurs, of course, both drew, which didn't help. Just want to have a quick predictive whip round um, and get who your choices are for for third and fourth. Starting with you, Ollie. Uh, I think I think. Okay, we'll come back to you, Ollie. No, 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 no. I'll start. Start. Uh, I, I think things will stay as they are. I think Arsenal will win next weekend. I think Spurs will probably win next weekend, and and, and it will be those two third and fourth. And whether or not fourth is uh, good enough to get into the Champions League, ultimately, we will see. Tony, uh, I think it'll be the same too. I think it's be Arsenal and Tottenham, um, and uh, just judging by Chelsea's performance on. On, in the cup final I don't think I think fourth will be good enough to enter the Champions League Ooh. I agree with both um, sorry I'll, I'll go again um, I, I agree with Tony on, on both counts um, both London sides making it in uh, Newcastle great run great season from, from Alan Pardew um, just a, a shame for them that they really couldn't get it done at home uh, one thing I didn't understand was how you take off uh, Ben Arfa the only player who can who can make a difference in midfield in, in a game they, they wanted to win um, but great great run by the Magpies uh, Europa League as a transition will be good enough for anyone if you ask up uh, their fans up there we need to move on now before I get very angry that, that uh, you had that you indirectly dissed uh, your Kabai, one of my favorite players this year. And I think you'll find he can make a, a difference in midfield, and, and he often does. From the Premier League to the sublime now, uh, Lionel Messi scored another four goals at the weekend. He's taken his seasonal tally to 72 goals, uh, of which uh, 50, 5-0 in the league, which... You know, when I was a kid, I mean, you were a kid, Tony, if you scored 20 league goals, like, you were incredible. Um, different times. And to be fair, before we get the, the, the Madridistas angry at us, we should give a shout-out to Cristiano Ronaldo, who, of course, he's only scored 59 this year in all competitions. Uh, when, when Messi scored, was it 55 or 56 last year, we thought, like, whoa, this is insane, I'll never be bettered. But Ronaldo bettered it this year, and uh, Messi, of course, went beyond that. Um, Ronaldo also 45 league goals. These are just... These are basically PlayStation numbers, and what we wanted to, to, to drive at is, has there been some kind of, and I'm going to turn to you, Tony, because um, you've had the opportunity to watch more great players than, than the rest of us have. Um, 
Is there has there been some kind of paradigm shift, or are these two guys just so much better than anybody else you've ever seen? Well, I think they're very, very good players, and they're clearly the best two players in the world now. But, I mean, when one player does something that's outrageous and, and breaks records, you can see they're clearly head and shoulders above any, anyone. When two people do it, you do wonder whether there's a pattern emerging there. And I, th I think these are two very, very fine players. As I say, the best two players in the world. But I think they're in a league where the standards are not that great at the lower ends, and there's a bit of flat-track bullying going on. 22 goals Messi has scored um, in the uh, uh, in, in the champion. Well, sorry, it's not 22 in the Champions League, is it? Was it 14? 14. 14 goals Leo Messi has scored in the in the Champions League. I mean, he's eclipsed eclipsed the record for the European Cup and the Champions League tournament. I think most would agree the standard of the Champions League is is higher now than it was in the in, in the 70s and 80s, right? Mm, no, no, because only t uh, title winners win, and you didn't have the group games where you could just pad your goals. You know, it's uh, where frankly some of the group games are really poor. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's fine. The flip side, the '70s and '80s, you only had one team from every country. Mm, yeah, you did, and you know. And, so and now I, you've got more better teams. Right? Uh, well, and often you went out earlier if you're drawn against them in a free draw. You know, it's um, and you know you say. Uh, I mean, I mean, there were some good teams that perhaps uh, went under people's radar. You know, like the Dynamo Kiev teams and things like that. So, I mean, I, I think I think that the game's changed, and I think that the the, the you know the format of the game makes it easier for uh, you know for to break these records. But you know, I, I don't want to diminish the ability of either Messi or Ronaldo, but I I don't think these are the best two ever. I think we've seen better players in the game, and I, you know I think if uh, Diego Maradona was playing that Barcelona team now, he'd break all the records. And I suspect, well, I suspect he'd score a few less actually, but the rest of the team would score more, and they'd be a better team. Yeah, they, these two are sublime. They're having a season that you can only compare to aliens that have come down. From we said that, planet. and bear in mind, we said that last season too. After the season they had last season, yeah, it's amazing. But they still don't make it into my top three of all time, uh, being Maradona, Pelé, and Zidane, because they haven't turned it on in a big tournament and yeah. won a big tournament yet. Okay. And that's the asterisk. That's the asterisk so far for these guys. They're incredible, the best by far of this generation. However, we have to judge it when they retire, and we have to put it into perspective. Ollie, I'm, uh, I'm not going to ask you about where they rank with the greats, but I, I want to get from you. This it just feels uncomfortable for me almost this this, this insane goal scoring it just doesn't seem right it seems out of out of whack and you and I are, are, are of a similar age and we 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 looked at the numbers that you know in the eighties we were used to something I, have you asked yourself how these two guys yes they're scoring more but they're also it's like they're scoring a lot more and it's not as if anybody else is have you wrapped your head. Around this, does it say is anything about them about them tactically? Also, neither one, of course, a traditional center forward. Yeah, well, that, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, you generally associate enormous goal-scoring records with, with a sort of with a Mario figure or, or an Alan Shearer type figure. Not, not the kind of. I mean, you look at what kind of player the two of them are. Ronaldo used to be a used to be a winger and, and you know, a winger with an individual streak, but but um, you know, he, he's he's not the kind of player who you would think would be a would be a penalty box poacher. Nor is Messi. You look at Messi. He's a you know he he. It's not. He, he only scores goals. He does everything. He, he, he 
links to play he's just sensational he lays on almost as many as he scores it seems at times and I know that there will be an argument that actually sorry just so again because the Real Madrid fans will, will just bombard you on Twitter I think Ronaldo has more okay. this just, just to save you preemptively from the <laughs> Real Madrid te- uh, uh, fans who will stalk you on Twitter um, Ronaldo uh, I believe is more assists this season than, uh, than Messi does Interesting, interesting. But um, I, I think one thing people will often say about this is that oh, well, modern rules allow people to, you know, allow attacking players to to shine and, and to score, you know, enormous amounts of goals. But Premier League last season, I think Berbatov and Tevez were the leading scorers with about eighteen. Was that right? Yeah. It, it, it's not as if. Um, you know, you look across the Champions League, and obviously Gomez has scored a lot of goals for Bayern, but these guys, Ronaldo and Messi, are, are, are outscoring everybody. It's not. It's not just a case of La Liga being weak, and, and you look at Europa League and, and the success of Real and, and in Champions League, Barcelona in Champions League, you know, Bilbao and Madrid and others in, in the Europa League. It's a strong league. I you know, I, I know we. Like to well no I don't but some people in England like to disparage it saying it's, it's just like Scotland but with with with, uh, with the sunshine it, it's it's not that at all it's it's a it's a strong league maybe maybe there's a, a culture of fear among the weaker teams when they go three or four nil down to them and maybe that's when Ronaldo and Messi score a lot of their goals but. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. I can't wait to see them face off against each other in Munich. You know, later on this month. Oh, hang on. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the great players elevate their teams and drag everyone up around them. Maradona made everyone on the on, on the pitch better. Everyone on his side better. And How many times did he win a European Cup? Well. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. But well, I, I think he only got to play in it twice, though. To uh, be yeah, fair. and, and I think three times. And I think um, and I think World Cups rather rather trump that one, you know. But I mean, the thing is, the, these two are great players, but you know, the, 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 there is a sense of you know, with 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 Messi's support and cast, you would expect them to be scoring more. Well, you expect them to be dominating that, more. Though, Tony, because I, I, I would. I mean, leaving aside, obviously, the, the, the semifinals, I mean, the, both teams, I think, went out by, by a very narrow margin. But And Barcelona, over the last three years, I think, have shown that they can win uh, Champions Leagues. But, and, Real, and Real Madrid have broken records uh, domestically in the Liga this year. But you don't think that they make their teams better? I got the sense that perhaps this year, especially Barcelona, perhaps a little more dependent on Messi than, mm. uh, than in previous years. And... Real Madrid as well. I mean, we don't often get to see them without Cristiano on the pitch, but I'm not sure we want to see them without Cristiano on the pitch. I, th- I think both of those teams are almost, you know, set up to make those two players shine. And um, and I think what 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 I think I think there's different things going on with them. I think Messi doesn't have the game intelligence that Maradona has, the awareness of what people are doing around him. And I think Christi- Cristiano Ronaldo is more selfish. Than Maradona, he kind of doesn't care what the players around him are doing. He's doing his thing, and I think that those two narrow margins are what stops them from being up there with the true greats. 
How about some quick hits? Arsenal are held to a 3-3 home draw by Norwich. Tony, there were individual mistakes, there were collective mistakes, there were controversial incidents, but ultimately, why is it that we're always left with a notion that this Arsenal team simply doesn't defend well? Uh, how about because they simply don't defend well? Uh, Arsenal's undefender, it's been one of the themes, isn't it? They've got leads, they've thrown them away. But it's getting worse, isn't it? It's getting worse, and you know, and it's, uh, he certainly needs to address it. But yeah, they don't defend well. I'll pitch in on this quick hits by saying it's not just the defence, it's the centre of midfield that yeah, doesn't protect them defense. enough. And Alex Song, who is a great player, gets to the end of every th- season and he's dragging his legs because he just can't take it anymore. Mm. All right, enough picking on Wenger. Let's pick on somebody else now. Manchester United defeats Swansea, but there's a sense that the title has slipped away. Ollie, what did you make of Sir Alex's post-game speech? And should we be mischievous and read something into the fact that with 12 minutes to go, uh, Wayne Rooney was taken off the pitch? Well, in terms of the substitution, uh, it looked to me like, uh, you know, watching it with the, through the corner of my eye in the Newcastle press room, it looked like Rooney was substandard as, as he has been quite often over the last four or five weeks. He scored a lot of goals, penalties in particular, but he's not he's not been on song. And when they needed goals and to rack up the goal difference, they, you know, Ferguson took him off, which is intriguing. In terms of the um, what Ferguson said afterwards, it sounded a little bit clutching at straws, a little bit desperate, a little bit of a desperate reminder of um, to Mark Hughes of how he was sacked in an unethical way, supposedly, by Manchester City. Um, but I'm sure we'll hear more of the same over the course of the week. I love the way he communicates with Mark Hughes via 72,000 uh, um, United fans at Old Trafford. Spurs slip up two, drawing at Aston Villa as Danny Rose is sent off. Pedro, we've heard a bunch of theories for Spurs' late-season collapses. Might as well hear yours as well. I have two. The first is lack of rotation, uh, depending too much on the same players to do the same job day in and day out. And the second is not having a plan B, i.e. playing with uh, two strikers, considering they always had someone like Defoe or Pavluchenko or even Saha, who I know is always injured. But give a chance for two strikers to be up there and you'll give other teams more to do. That, of course, involves dropping uh, somebody, but uh, I guess we'll get to that next time. Uh, with that draw, Aston Villa are staying up, but it's a turbulent week at Villa Park with fans taking out newspaper ads calling for Alex McLeish's uh, resignation and three first-team players, if that's what you want to call um, Mr. Hurd and Mr. Delph, uh, deciding it would be a good idea to get drunk after the team awards dinner and get into a fight into a nightclub. Um, two questions for you, Tony. If you were Big Eck, would you have started Heard and Collins, two of these alleged miscreants? And also, why were Villa having an awards dinner in the first place after the season they've had? Well, first of all, I wouldn't have started them. I would have fined them, and I would have, um, I would have kicked the backside so hard that uh, they'd be into the middle of next week. And uh, an awards dinner for Villa. Mm. Well, uh, I think... Uh, I think that's misguided, to say the least. I don't think um, McLeish will be there next year. And I think uh, Lerner has made a huge number of bad decisions. And that's a club in real crisis. If I were cheesier than I am, I might say it's time for Randy to learn something. Heartbreak from uh, Owen Coyle as they uh, throw away a two-goal lead and are held at home by West Brom. Ollie, uh, could Mr. Coyle have done anything differently? And while we're at it, since we haven't had you on the podcast since his appointment, how about you give us your 10-second verdict on the New England boss? Mm, well, both and first. Uh, I mean, to, to, to concede a 2-0 lead um, in the last 10 minutes of a home game, critical home game at the end of the season, looks, um, 
looks pretty terrible. I, I thought looking at the goals, uh, there was a, a missed 50-50 challenge by Mark Davis in the penalty area for the first, and, and Kevin Davis played um, Morrison on side for the second. I and mean, it's, it's very small margins, isn't it? And, and it seemed like Bolton didn't have uh, bodies on the line that were going to make the difference. And Roy Hodgson, I, I think you're asking too much for me to, to condense that to 10 seconds. That's right. Well, the whole other, the whole rest of the world's had their say. So, if you want to see what Ollie thinks, I'm sure you can find him online. He took a late, late, late goal from Gibril Cisse, but QPR's one-nil win over Stoke keeps their survival hopes alive. Pedro, we've crucified Cisse for his red cards, um, but if this goal keeps him up, surely. It would all have been worth it, right? I'll borrow a line from Forrest Gump and say, Gibril Cisse is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's, he can do the best, he can do the worst. Um, I, I think it will be worth it because Cisse is someone who, when you don't expect it, can... Uh, can come through in, in the clutch just like he can destroy you but yeah it's all worth it Cissé would be better than any other striker they could have got at that point in the year uh, Gabba I believe we've got new champions in Italy uh, what's that all about? That's right it's Juventus uh, a full uh, six years after Calciopoli won the title uh, at the weekend they, uh, they beat Cagliari 2-0 uh, while uh, AC Milan who, who could have kept it going another week had they won the derby against Inter uh, somehow a lost 4-2 in an incredible game which really had had everything confrontation um, refereeing mistakes uh, a goal line incident a ridiculous goal from uh, from Mike on um, really a very entertaining match but I mean the big news is Juve they're on their way back I think even their biggest enemies have, have missed them and um, I for one am excited to see them in the Champions League next season that's all we've got time for this week. But before I let you go, a quick reminder that we're doing another live road show with me and only me delivering a one-hour monologue. No, just kidding. I'll be joined by very special guests. It's going to be at the Freemasons Arms near Covent Garden in London on May 29th from 7 p.m. And you can book your uh, tickets at www.timestickets.co.uk or you can call 0871-620-4025. It'll cost you about £7.00. 50 per person, and I will do my best to make sure you feel you got your money's worth. In the meantime, you can go to thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, um, and also uh, our web chats. And of course, you can follow us all on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm on there. Uh, Pedro, you want to give us your Twitter handle? At Pedro CNN. At Pedro CNN. There you go. And you know the other ones. It's at Tony Evans Times. And at Oliver K Times. Is that right? It is. There you go. Till next time, bye-bye. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 